If you're visiting, as always, we want you to know that we appreciate so much you coming our way. Hope you'll come back and be with us again. I appreciate Jared preaching in my absence last week. We were at Polishing the Pulpit in Sevierville, Tennessee, East Tennessee, a very beautiful place. And it was a busy weekend. And there were lots and lots of Christians together. As a matter of fact, there were over 4,000, I think there were 45 to 4,700 people there last week. And so it was a huge, huge, uh, I guess a huge occasion. And lots of great good that went on, a lot of great lessons. Uh, had the opportunity to speak seven times last weekend or last week. And so... Tyler preached Sunday night, so appreciate that as well. So anyway, it was a very busy week, but it was a great week, and Nancy and I enjoyed it, and we appreciate the opportunity to appreciate the opportunity to be a part of it, and appreciate you, and appreciate all the good that's going on here. We're going to be looking today at Daniel chapter three. Daniel chapter three, as we think about integrity tempered by fire. The word integrity means strong moral principles. It really carries with it the idea of what we might call moral uprightness. We are living in what might be described as an anti-Christian culture. I remember probably 20 years ago hearing somebody say of America that we are now living in a post-Christian nation. First time I ever heard that, I was shocked. Because as you well know, this country was founded by individuals who had a deep and abiding respect for God and His Word. And they really believed that the prosperity of our nation was connected to an allegiance to God and to His Word. If you had the opportunity to speak to them, to interview them. They would have talked about their deep and abiding respect and belief in not just the God of heaven, but in His inspired Word. In Daniel chapter 3, we read about three young men by the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These young men were deported to Babylon, and along with Daniel found themselves not only in a foreign land, but among foreign people, among customs that conflicted with their belief system. And so what stands out in the lives of these men, in my mind, is how they stood and their integrity. We talk a lot about faith and the importance of growing in our faith and being strong Christians. Well, when push comes to shove, ultimately you find out what you're made of. These men, these young men were strong and they were able to stand because their belief system had been embedded in them at a very early age. And so I want to just very quickly set the background for you. In Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar, of course, is the king of Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar welds great power. And the Bible tells us that he made an image of gold, 
whose height was 60 cubits. In other words, it was 90 feet high. Its width, 6 cubits, 9 feet wide. And the Bible says he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And then he sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, governors, counselors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which he had set up. The satraps, administrators, governors, counselors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, symphony, with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, in symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now that's the background, but I want you to see, as we look at these three men, I want you to see their integrity and the great conviction that they demonstrate. And so first I want to talk about the fact that these men were different. There's a strong contrast between the people that were living in Babylon and these Hebrew young men. So with that in mind, look if you would at verse 8. Therefore at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the gold image. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard. They have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. So right off the bat, you see, first and foremost, these men were different. Why were they different? What made them different? Why was there a distinction between these guys and others who were living in Babylon? I think there are two reasons. Number one, they were different because of who they were. They were Hebrews. And they had forged a very strong relationship with God. Not only did they have a relationship with God, but they had tremendous respect and reverence for God. They understood that in the giving of the law, God had said that they were not to bow down and worship pagan idols. And so they refused to do that because they were different. They understood that they were different because of who they were. 
Add to that, not only were they different because of who they were, but because of whose they were. You see, they understood that their relationship with, was with God. In verse 17, note if you would, they speak of our God. These guys were different. They were different in attitude. They were different in their actions. Now, we talk about being different today. And I would hope and pray that when people see us at work, in the classroom, on the ball field, as we go about our daily activities in life, that people can tell that we're different, that there's something distinct about us. Do you remember what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2? He said, you are an elect race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. He said, whom he has called forth out of darkness into his marvelous light. Is that not a definition of the church, the called out, the ecclesia, the community of the saved? Peter said, who in time past were no people, but now, he said, are the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. If you're not different, something's wrong, something is amiss. And if you look at what the scriptures have to say, one of the great challenges that we face is allowing the world to pour us into its, into its mold. And rather than being transformed and demonstrating a distinct, different life from those about us, we blend in. Paul said, be not conformed to the world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. These guys were different. They were different first and foremost because of who they were and they were different because of whose they were. You see, when you decided to become a Christian, what you were saying in effect was that you were giving your life to the Lord. That He would be the ruler, the one that, as we would say, calls the shots in life. Paul said... Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have from God? Listen to him. He said, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, in light of that, he said, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. So what does it mean to belong to God? Well, if we're different, and we're supposed to be, if we understand who we are and whose we are, in light of the fact that we do belong to God, that means my time is God's time, isn't it? What was it Paul said? Ephesians chapter 5. He said, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And he would counsel us to redeem the time because the days are evil. Our time belongs to God. Why? Because we belong to him, don't we? And so we talk about our time. What about our talents? You think about all the talents or abilities that make up this congregation. Look at the vast experience in this assembly today. And you think about all the people and all the talents, all the abilities. Do we understand that the talents or abilities that we possess, that those belong to God and God wants us to use them to His glory? Paul said we have been created in Christ Jesus under good works. And because we have been created anew in Him, we're to live in such a way so that we bring 
honor and glory to him. Paul in Ephesians 3 verse 21 would say unto him be glory in the church, by the church, through Jesus Christ. Because we belong to God, that means he gets our time, he gets our talents, he also gets our treasures, doesn't he? Why? Because everything we have ultimately belongs to him, doesn't it? Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, that that which is required of, of a steward is that a man be found faithful. Whatever we possess monetarily, materially, ultimately belongs to God because Paul said we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. So our time, our talents, our treasures belong to God. What about our tongue? These guys use their tongues to affirm we are not bowing to this golden image that you've set up. Will we take a stand for the Lord? Will we demonstrate our distinctiveness, our difference from others around us? We don't have to do it in, a, in an ugly, caustic, arrogant way. Paul said we're to speak the truth in love, but we need to speak the truth. And then what about our thoughts? It all begins with the right kind of thinking. I said a moment ago, these guys were different and they were not willing to just blend in and be a part of the Babylonian way of life, culture. But rather, these guys understood, look, we're different. We are distinct. Do we understand that? And so our attitude, our actions, what we say and what we do. Now, there's a second thing I want you to see. First, they were different. Secondly, they were dedicated. These guys were men of what we might say courage. They were men of courage, and they were men of consecration. They were consecrated to God. Look, if you would, at verse 13. The Bible says, Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, after they had said, look, we're not going to bow down and serve your gods. We're not going to worship this golden image which you've erected. Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I've set up? If you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I've made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who's the God who will deliver you from my hands? Now listen, if you would, to their response. They said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. How's that for throwing down the gauntlet? Now we talk about fearless and faithful in the face of fire. These guys were fearless and they were faithful. You imagine somebody holding a gun to your head and saying, all right, renounce Christ and you'll live. 
I remember reading a story about an individual on one occasion. And the question was posed, if someone were to threaten your life, and by renouncing Christ you could live, what would you do? He said, I know what I ought to do, but I won't know what I'll do until I'm in that situation. Look, you need to be developing a very strong faith. These guys were not willing, they weren't willing to bow, they weren't willing to bend, and I would add, they were not going to break. Their faith would not buckle. Now, in order to stand, you're going to have to have a strong Christian faith. I mentioned a moment ago, we are living in what might best be described as an anti-Christian culture. And quite frankly, there are a lot of people in our, wor in our world, in our nation today, they have no use for God. And they have no respect for His Word. And so the question is, are we going to bow to bend, to break in our faith? Will we bow and bend to the pressures of the world? You think about our world today. It says, okay, Jesus, I get Jesus. And I understand He is a God among gods. Is that, is that going to fly with us? Are we going to be comfortable letting people know that, you know what, Jesus is the exclusive way to salvation? Or will we bend and bow and say, you know what, it really doesn't make any difference? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Let me tell you what, that is narrow, that is exclusive, it is old-fashioned, it might be archaic, but it is true. What about the church? Are there not some that would say today, you know what, the church is just filled with a bunch of intolerant people. It's amazing how intolerant people are who call us intolerant. They're intolerant because they don't like our belief system. And there are some that would minimize the importance of the church. Well, will we bend and bow to that way of thinking? And will we just join hands with other people and say, really doesn't matter about the church? The church is just, just one of many institutions? Oh, Jesus said, I will build my church. It belongs to God, doesn't it? And the saved are where? They're in the church. I feel for young people today because I understand that there are tremendous pressures going on. And there are pressures that are going on in the classroom. And there are teachers, administrators, there are individuals in our university classrooms that would compromise what the Bible has to say about creation. Are we going to bend and bow and just say, well, you know what, it really doesn't matter. No, the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was God who spoke this world into existence. The psalmist said, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth. In Psalm 33, he said, He spoke and it stood fast. Will we compromise? And just say it really doesn't matter. Will we bend and bow? Will we allow our faith to break under quote-unquote scholarship and academics? Or will we stand up and say, you know what? I believe what the Bible has to say. I believe that design demands a designer. 
Then what about the pressure to use alcohol, to engage in recreational drug usage? Don't tell me it's not a problem. Heroin is, has reached an epidemic state in our country. A lot of folks in this county using heroin. I got a call just the other day, a family that we knew from Cordova. Their son, who's now, well, was an adult, overdosed. I'm telling you, the world wants us to cave. We're going to give in? We're just going to say, well, it really doesn't matter. I mean, what's the big deal with drinking and taking drugs and smoking and defiling our body? The pressure to conform and engage in sexual relations outside of marriage? Despite what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, flee fornication, or what he said to the church at Thessalonica, this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication. Look, if you're a child of God, you can't be sleeping around. You can't be doing that. Why? Because of who you are and whose you are. You've got to be different, don't you? So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these guys were different. And they were dedicated. These guys refused to bend, to bow, and they wouldn't break. Now what about us? Are we going to bend and bow to every little thing that comes down the pike? Are we going to allow the world to pressure us to the point that we just break and snap under the pressure that's around us? Let me tell you why they didn't bend, bow, and break. Because their relationship with God was strong at the onset of this persecution, of this situation. If you're not strong, you won't stand. You won't. You, may, you might think you will, but you're not going to stand. Why? Because you don't have enough faith. You've got to be equipped. Look, look at the first century church. What was it Jesus said, Matthew 6, verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. If you're not seeking first the kingdom in your life, let me tell you what, number one, you're not different. And number two, you are sure, you are surely not dedicated. Because Jesus said before anything else, the kingdom comes first. A lot of people in the church today, they want to just give the Lord a marginal piece of their lives. They want to give Him a piece of the pie rather than the entirety of the pie. Was it the way it was with the life of the Apostle Paul? No, Paul said in Colossians chapter 3 that we are to set our affection on things above and not on things which are upon this earth. In verse 4, Paul said, For Christ, listen to him, who is our life. If Christ is your life, number one, you're different. Number two, you're dedicated. You are fearless, you're faithful. You're not going to bend, you're not going to bow, you're not going to break. There's no compromise, there is no concession in your mind. You're not willing to budge. Look, these guys threw the gauntlet down. Listen again to what they said. Let it be known to you, O king, we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. How's that for standing up for truth? 
Here's what we need in the church today. We need some folks that are willing to suit up in the armor of God and stand up against the adversary of God. Stand up. Paul said, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you might be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes of the devil. There's a third thing I want you to see. And that is, they were delivered. These men were delivered. By whom? By God. Look at verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. He commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men who were bound in their coats, trousers, turbans, and other garments were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And the Bible says, King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered to the, and said to the king, True, O king, look, he said, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Could I say to you first and foremost, the Lord was present with them, wasn't He? I believe that this was the second member of the Godhead. The one we know as the Christ. You can go back and look at the Old Testament. He is identified as the angel of Jehovah on occasions. Exodus 3 and other passages. The Lord was with them, present. Don't you think that God today, that God today will stand with us and He will stand by us, come what may? What was it the Hebrew writer said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And then he asked this question, what shall man do unto me? God's on our side. God told Joshua, I will be with you wherever you go. Through thick, through thin, highs, lows, mountains, valleys, whatever it may be, God's going to be there with us, isn't He? Was God with them in the furnace? Yes, He was. And by the way, I would point this out. God was with them before they went into the furnace. He was with them in the furnace, and He was with them when they came out of the furnace. What does that say to us? It says there are three kinds of people. People that have problems, people that are coming out of problems, and people that are going to have problems. The Lord was with them. Not only was He present with them, but He preserved them. Note, if you would, what is said. Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning, fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. The satraps, administrators, governors, kings, counselors gathered together. They saw these men on whose bodies the fire, listen to him, had no power. 
The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Who preserved them? God did. Will God not preserve us? Do you remember in 2 Timothy chapter 4 when Paul talked about at his first defense, he said, No man stood with me, but all men forsook me. He said, I pray God that it may not be charged against them. And then he said, But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. In verse 18 he said, The Lord shall preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. Here's what Jesus said, Don't fear him who's able to destroy the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear, reverence, respect the one who has the ability, the power, to destroy both soul and body in hell and Gehenna. And so, the Lord was present with them, and he preserved them. And I would, I would submit to you today that when you face difficulties and trials, when your face on the line, you need to understand the Lord's going to stand with you. He's going to stand by you. He's going to support you, and He will sustain you. David said in Psalm 55, verse 22, Cast your burden on the Lord. Listen to Him, and He will sustain you. God is a rock. What we need to do is put our faith in God and then just say, Come what may. We are with Him no matter what. Integrity tempered by fire. When push comes to shove in an anti-Christian culture, will you stand? Will you be different like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, we want to encourage you to do as we do every single week. We want to encourage you to become one with God's people. In other words, put your faith and trust in Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins. And He said, if you die in your sins where I am, there you can't come. Would you be willing to put your faith in Him, repent of your sins, confess His name, and then be buried with Him in a watery grave of baptism so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts twenty-two sixteen, and rise to walk in newness of life. If you're here today and for whatever reason your faith has buckled, maybe you're back in the world, maybe you haven't stood like you ought to stand and you want to do better. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we would be happy to pray with you and for you today as we stand and sing.